0: She's always been the type of person that just says things and she just speaks her mind. I guess that has a little bit to do with not having a formal education.
1: Welcome back to The Body Serve. I'm James. And I'm Jonathan. And I hope you all are catching up on your sleep after a very
0: stressful and long Australian Open. I'm worse for wear. I've been sick and under the weather the last week. (laughs) Somehow I've I've managed to get over the sneezing for a little bit to be able to record tonight, luckily.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, You know, you were feeling so bad, we actually entertained briefly... The idea of me doing one by myself.
0: Well, I think I entertained <laughs> the idea. Right. And you quickly shut that down. It's
1: probably not a good idea. I probably would have just ranted for about a half hour
0: and then gotten tired and shut it off. <sighs> that, that I don't think I need to be giving you any all about Eve moments. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, or I may have just started like talking about Rihanna's new album and just singing her new song. Oh my
0: god. Uh, I was at work when it came out and when I got home... You'd already had the album streaming, and not only did you play "Work" like five times, mm-hmm. but you just started humming it.
1: Yeah,
0: that's all you were doing for like an entire day. I love that song. I
1: can't. Can you guys? It was driving like, me nuts. Can you convince Jonathan that the song is really
0: good? It's not a bad song, but like mm-hmm. it was just a bit much. I see. Well. Rihanna, we apologize. And is it anti or anti? Anti. Is it her Caribbean inflection of saying auntie, Like <laughs> her aunt? Like, I'm very confused. I don't think What that's is it. it meant to signify? Uh, Anti-establishment? I don't know. It's like a step
1: in asserting some creative control. Okay. I think. Anyway, so we're here to talk about tennis, I guess. So it was a pretty crazy tournament. Things started gaining some normalcy toward the back end of it. Until the women's final,
0: <laughs> right? It was almost a full two weeks of not having Rafa anywhere. Of having him mm. out of sight and out of mind. He's been silent on Twitter for the most part. He saw him practicing mm-hmm. a couple times. On But it was so strange to go so far into a, into a tournament and for so long and not have him anywhere. It was quite depressing.
1: Yeah. And I do find, uh, in a general way... The storylines of the men's, the like the men's tour didn't really change that much through this tournament. No. You know, I don't know that we saw any emerging storylines except maybe Milos Raonic's yeah. sort of renaissance, if we can go that far.
0: Which is something that Courtney Nguyen pointed out a lot on Twitter, that there were so many narratives coming out of the women's draw and so many exciting things happening with Zhang Shui and, and Kanta going deep into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Which we didn't really see on the men's side. It was business as usual for the most part.
1: It really was. It's hard to complain when you have a top four consistently reaching the quarters and semifinals of majors. You can and complain when
0: your fave of that group isn't there. Well, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, That's that's probably what's made it fun for us in the past or tolerable. Because we do enjoy the changing up and the mixing up on the WTA, right? Right. But without Rafa there, it just felt flat.
1: yeah. And we're in such a sustained period of dominance for Novak that Andy is my other favorite in the top of the men's game, and I just don't really have any belief that he can get it done against Novak right now, or even Roger, for that matter. So it does, like, take some of the wind out of my sails.
0: If you're a Novak fan, I'm sure it's the glory age for Oh you, my god, I you know? know. And I get that necessarily I shouldn't be complaining because when Rafa was doing it, other people suffered, mm-hmm. but I'm suffering now. Right. So there's only so much praise that can be had for Novak on my end. <laughs> right.
1: And we were told from some Novak fans that we were actually very nice to him last time. So I don't know, maybe we should like we'll, dial it back.
0: Well, we'll probably be nice to him again. I know. Because the performance is without flaws. <laughs>
1: really. Basically, yeah. Um, so let's talk about a few odds and ends before we get into the final rounds. A big story, you mentioned on Twitter that you think that Milos Raonic will win a major. Yes. It's a matter of when, not if at this point, which is a
0: huge change. Uh, well, it's been gradual. I, we've been force-fed Milos coverage in Canada for a while now. So even though I haven't actively tried to follow his tennis, I've been kind mm-hmm. of backended into it. And so over the last few months... Stemming from even before he had those injuries last year, I've been watching his tennis and you see incredible improvement. So much so now that he's not just a serve. He's worked on his ground game and he's seeing great results. Mm -hmm. He's able to rally with almost anybody from the baseline now. Well, and a serve and volleying Uh was what really impressed me. The net game that he's added to his overall setup, I said to you early on in the tournament that it reminded me a lot of Sampras, watching Sampras Mm. in the old days. And while Miloš's volleying is nowhere near as good as Pete's was, I only imagine that his improvements will continue, barring injury. Mm. So if we're looking at somebody who has an upward trajectory to challenge the top players, it's him. Right. And who knew of the crop of players from Dimitrov, uh, Raonic, Uh, Nishikori, Nishikori, you know, those guys that Raonic would be the one. It looks like that's the case right now. At the end of 2014, when Nishikori had those good results at the uh, Masters events and then made the final of the U.S. Open, it looked like mm. he was going to be the one. Right. And now Roundwich is in that position. So we'll see.
1: I, I just want to say that his... You know, in this day and age, your valleys do have to be impeccable, though. You know, because you have a crop of top players who love passing. They love a target. It's what they do best from the back of the court. And so? So it's... An advantage for Milos to be giving these players like a different look, but you have to be kind of on your A game all the time if you want to beat them, Mm -hmm. you know, or challenge them because they could also just like pick you off
0: easily. Two things in that respect. His serve is bigger and better than most players, so that Mm -hmm. that helps him. And also he cuts such an imposing frame at the net that his wingspan can get to balls that other players can't if right. they were to go that route and do servant volleys. Mm-hmm. And so he has a a larger margin of error, I think.
1: Okay. Now, we obviously saw some huge surprises and myriad upsets on the women's side. And I think, you know, Joanna Conta has been coming up and up and up for the past maybe six, seven months. She beat Venus in the first round. But did you see her going all the way to the semis? And that was an incredible performance from her.
0: I mean, if somebody had asked you that question at the start of the tournament, do you think she has a semi run in her? Mm. Objectively, looking at what she'd done in her trajectory, you could make a case for it. Okay. But just looking at the draw and say, oh, you know, who's going to be in the final four? I don't think anybody would have come up with that on their own. But she's got the game for it. And she played really well. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And now I think Zhang Shuai was the, the bigger shock, who made it uh-huh. through qualifying, and somehow made it all the way to the quarters.
0: She was 0-14 in her previous efforts to get out of a Grand Slam mm-hmm. first round, had talked about maybe retiring very shortly after this tournament if it didn't go well, and now she finds herself in the top 75 again. I feel like we, we've been hearing that so often in women's tennis lately, that players
1: have been, you know, on the verge of retiring and then have this amazing result. Like, Tameja Baczynski actually did leave the game for a long time and decided to come back and then reach the semis of the French Open last year. And, you know, even Victoria Azarenka said that she was really questioning her place in the game before she won her Australian Opens and really recommitted herself.
0: Petkovic has been having those thoughts as mm-hmm. well.
1: But I think Rodwanska said something in press that you are referring to, you in your uh, in your article this week,
0: that this week in tennis, yes, okay.
1: <laughs> Trade, the pl- the plug only works if you say the name. <laughs> um, but she mentioned that you know a lot of these players in the first and second rounds of majors are becoming more and more of a threat on mm-hmm. the women's side. And for so so many years in women's tennis, the top players could really count on getting through the first and second rounds, surrendering what like one game. You
0: know, and that's really not the case that much anymore. Because that also intensifies your lead-up preparation to the slams as well, right? Right. You can't just fall back and say, well, I'm going to have the first few rounds to play myself into Mm -hmm. form. Which is something we've heard even up to recently. You know, that top players take the first few rounds to play themselves in. But that's no longer a luxury that folks have anymore. No, I mean, Serena
1: got Georgie in the first round. The the last player to not be Mm seeded, you know?
0: And up until the final, it was her toughest match. Right. As far as the scoreline is concerned, anyway.
1: Now, another thing that I wanted to mention, this really doesn't have to do with this tournament, but you probably have heard that Venus Williams has
0: committed to playing Indian Wells this year. She's on the entry list. Okay. And Indian Wells has confirmed it. I don't think we've heard anything from Venus herself yet.
1: No, I don't think she's a Which still gives me a statement. little bit of
0: pause. hmm Or maybe she's just not interested in making a big spectacle out of it in the way that Serena did last year. Mm -hmm. Maybe she feels that for the family, that bridge has already been crossed. And so she's just going to lay low and show up. Maybe Maybe that's the case.
1: Maybe. Well, you predicted that maybe Venus would come back this year. Yes. Let Serena kind of have her moment, this sort of reckoning, and then possibly play before she retires.
0: I also with with her first round loss, the stakes for getting points before the cutoff in at the end of May, early June for the Olympics is higher for Venus, right? And so let's not overlook the fact that she's now ranked twelve or thirteen. I mm-hmm. think it's thirteen after the Australian Open, and there are a bunch of women who, if they go on a blitz, could knock her out of well, the yeah. reckoning. You know, so perhaps getting a bunch of points by making a semi-run in Indian Wells is a motivating factor as well. Who knows? It's all speculation.
1: Right. I mean, she did drop a whole lot of points through first round losses in Auckland and the Australian Open. However, Dark Horse Sloan also lost in the first round. (laughs) So, I don't mean to be, you know, gloating, but Mm -hmm. she did Venus a little bit of a favor.
0: Let's uh, talk about something that might be a favored topic for you. That you and get for, me, for you that you get to gloat a little bit about, and revel in since Serena lost the title. Do you want to talk a little bit about did? that? Did you want to talk about that quarterfinal result against Sharapova? Oh well, I guess I have to take pleasure where I
1: can this tournament because it was extremely painful. Otherwise, it's always a joy, really. <laughs> and you, you know, you warned me, you know, don't get ahead of yourself with Maria because mm-hmm. maybe someday she will turn the tide. Because what if she
0: has an off day like she had in the final against Maria sometimes, somehow? But the thing
1: is, I feel that she's had off days against Maria before, and it hasn't mattered,
0: you know? I mean, this is all moot at this point.
1: Right. And so I was really not concerned about the Maria head-to-head, and I just looked right past Kerber. I think we all did. Or most
0: people did. Not me. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I distinctly remember saying to you before the final, like, I'm quite concerned. (laughs) (laughs) You did, yeah. But I will
1: say that the Maria match was really, like, food for the soul. (laughs) You know, it's just so surprising to me that Maria is just so unwilling to make adjustments within a match. I mean, well, I shouldn't say surprising, because it's... An age old story, but she really, Serena just exposes her for having no plan B at all. But what is her plan B going to be? I don't know, but she's had 12 years to come up with one. Do you know what I mean?
0: But she doesn't have the weapons to be able to deploy in another way. Mm -hmm. You know, where somebody can say, well, I'm going to hit some more angles like Kerber did in the final, or I'm going to come to the net like, we've seen Maria flailing away at net. <laughs> like, that's not an option for her. I mean, she and has her a swinging serve, volley. but Her serve is not going to be a weapon for her against Serena. But it was such a weapon in her previous Yeah, match. you say that just to be a shady bitch. No,
1: but 18 aces? Come on. Like, who is that? Serena didn't hit 18 in any match. It wa- It actually was a weapon
0: for Maria. It was. It It can be, but more mm-hmm. often than not. You are not going to see that kind of serving from Maria. No. She had a A plus amazing serving day. <laughs> Unfortunately for Bencic. but the re- the return of Bencic is not the return of Serena.
1: No, it's really you know. Not. So
0: serving the way she did against Bencic doesn't guarantee that she's going to have eighteen aces against Serena. Mm-hmm.
1: But okay, but what I mean as a plan B, like we saw Serena in her match against Radwanska use lots of different pace, use backhand slices Mm -hmm. deep in the court to sort of set up her big shots, right? Yeah. Why can't Maria do that?
0: She could have some more nuance in terms of Mm -hmm. some loopy balls, slower balls, slices, slicing short, do a Federer backhand slice short somehow, you know? Right. I don't know. I'm not her coach. I mean,
1: like, study. Study what Kerber did against Serena and
0: think, why can't I do that? It led to a a very shady, bitchy moment from me. (laughs) Which was what? Which was this little comic strip thing I did detailing Maria's response to Serena and vice versa, (laughs) set to Adele's hello. (laughs) It was so rude. It was. And Maria fans, if you're mad about it, I get it. I understand. (laughs) But I thought it was so funny. I just couldn't... Faced with making the choice of, do I run the risk of pissing people off or put this out because I think it's hilarious? Like, I just had to.
1: (laughs) And people on Tumblr were going crazy about it. They thought it was hilarious. One person said, I'm rolling around in bed. And I mean, when people say that, they're probably just like sitting there totally stiff. Yeah. They're like dead. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it was very funny. Now... Against Radwanska, Serena looked great, again. um, You know, she had a little bit of a hiccup in the second set, wasn't quite as dominant, and Aga was playing better in the second set. But But that
0: first set was nasty. Oh my lord. Just filthy.
1: I wasn't sure if Aga was going to win a game the whole match. And, you know, there's something to be said about competitive, exciting, thrilling matches, but there's nothing,
0: nothing like a Serena beatdown. It was very uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> I'd have been just as fine with a 6-4, 6-4 score.
1: Well, especially while, you know, Chris Everett is saying, oh, these two are such good friends and da-da-da. Like, oof, they don't look like good friends right now. <laughs> That's rough. But a good result for Rodwanska. Yes. But it does show you that, you know, she was basically the best player on tour for a few months there. Uh huh. You know, w- along with, Mugurusa.
0: She's up to number four again.
1: Right. She had her own quarter at a major, but, I mean, she just had nothing to bring against Serena. And we've seen her play her a lot better. Well, on
0: a more favored surface being grass, right? The Wimbledon final, it's a better surface for Rodwansko. Is it? It is. And she's never made the quarterfinals at the US Open. Really? Never.
1: Oh, that's surprising to me. But I guess that brings us to the women's final. And um, I don't really know where to start. It was obviously really painful, and I did actually leave the room when it was five one in the third set.
0: I think you said this is the same shit like the U.S. Open, and you stormed off.
1: Oh yeah, and it was almost identical because she was down one five. I think she won what two Two more games? Was two five. five. She won two more games, Mm -hmm. and you know just enough to make you think maybe she's gonna come back, and nope, it was the same thing. The same thing happened against Vinci. She won a few more games so it wasn't embarrassing in the third set. And I honestly it's not nearly as hard as the US Open loss was to take for me just because there's not a a grand slam on the line. Um you know I actually I did believe that she could win the grand slam this year. <laughs> I know you did. Maybe that was a little uh you misguided. said that repeatedly. Yeah. No, I re- I really thought it was possible
0: in our th- in our conversations in the off season, however brief it was. Talking about what to look forward to in 2016, you're like, oh, yeah, Serena Slam. Yeah. And I was like, "Uh, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Um, I get it. She's a year older. It's almost impossible at any age. For some people, the thought process would be, well, she's going to be 35 this year. I know she's Serena, but, you know, can we really expect to have that kind of dominance again? Maybe we'll see some kind of gradual decline. You're like, nope. No, full hundred. Serena fans really believe,
1: okay? <laughs> like, that's why she's able to play so well, because we send such good energy into the universe. Oh, is that it? <laughs> now, speaking of good energy, I'm going to share some bad energy with you. So, she held for the first game in the match. She lost the second game, Kerber held, and then Kerber won three or two more games, I think, right? Honestly, at that point, I was like, I don't think this is very good. I really, like, I had a bad, bad feeling. Because from that point on, she was down for the entire match. She never had a lead again.
0: Her footwork never really recovered. No.
1: I actually, from the first set, I was like, I really don't think she's going to win. And I'm sorry to fellow Serena fans, but I really just didn't have the belief at all.
0: And he who will not get his name mentioned on this podcast wrote a piece saying that Serena is slowing down and she should be planning for... Planning an exit strategy. Oh, yeah. And that part somebody of...
1: Somebody named Sofa
0: or, or Davenport <laughs> or something? Part of it was... Setee? <laughs> quit playing like you knew what that word was before you <laughs> met me. Nobody who listens going to know what a settee is, by the way. We have global listeners. Okay? okay. But essentially saying that Serena is noticeably slower and that she's older. Right. And that she's still the top player in the world. But he doesn't want to see her go the route of Kobe Bryant... Or Peyton Manning mm-hmm. and have your fave just crumble and look a shell of themselves.
1: Oh my God. Don't get my mom started on Peyton because, you know, they beat the Patriots last week and she was saying it had nothing to do with Peyton Manning. <laughs> like he is a shell of his former self. Tom Brady is old, but he's as good as
0: he ever was. And Kobe really is horrifyingly bad this year. Yeah. But my perspective has always been if you want to play till you're 60, if you're able to play till you're 60 mm-hmm. and win a match here or there, that's your damn prerogative. You know, this argument that you don't want to see somebody play mm-hmm. past their prime.
1: Tough. That's really... Then don't watch. Right. You know? And I, this person, this author, mm-hmm. I think... This piece of furniture. He only watched that one match, <laughs> you know? Uh, he really betrayed a lack of understanding of Serena's game and sort of the ebbs and flows
0: of her game. Because she played really well and had good footwork for much of the tournament. Right. And she had a bad day. And when she's nervous, her footwork sucks. Everybody, Not just for her. Every Serena everybody fan. Everybody has struggles with their foot. Their foot. <laughs> with their, their footwork. Their foot, them When they're, when they're nervous. Yes. And... Yes, she's 34, but 24-year-olds have bad days on the tennis court. It was such clickbait trash. <laughs> and and he was roundly flogged for it. Certainly was. And I didn't, I, I mean, I was in the throes of not feeling well. I did mm-hmm. not have the energy to take him to task on Twitter. I was like, you know, I have another medium that I'll be using. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just wait a day or two, and we can talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> okay, so, you know, Serena did not have a great day. That was clear. Her serve wasn't working. Her first serve, I mean, for uh, long yeah, stretches. I can't recall the last time it was so bad. For long stretches, she just was not getting a first serve mm-hmm. in. Um,
0: and her volleying was the most atrocious I've ever seen it in my life. Well, for one, I'm not used to seeing her coming to net that much.
1: That I mean, but it was so
0: stubborn. It, it was, was. You know, it was so insistent. And the volleys were horrendous. (laughs) And I mean, her volleys haven't been great for a little while now. Mm -hmm. And Venus's have been gradually deteriorating. And I can only chalk that up to both of them not having played doubles in a long time. Right. Because that was alarming.
1: It was because at her best, she's actually a pretty good volleyer. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't really have to use it that much.
0: I don't think she's ever been a truly elite volleyer. No, certainly not. But certainly not the rubbish that we saw.
1: Uh, Yeah. <laughs> but what was really alarming was all of these forehands just flying. And there were a few points in the second set where I was like, I, j- this, this is just not going to happen. You know, she would have easy sitters for swinging volleys or forehands with Kerber way off the court, and they would just go, you know... A rye, a miss? Yeah, <laughs> like five feet out. So that being said, I don't want to take anything away from Kerber because she played you a better hell, not. A and hell I, of a match. I've
0: pointed out to you off air that I firmly believe part of Serena's struggles, clearly some of it due to nerves, mm. but a lot of it was due to how well Kerber played. And the argument that folks make that, well, Serena on her best day will beat everybody... Yes, we know this. This is an irrefutable truth. Right. However... Do
1: you think she would beat Margaret Court? Because it was like way... I am
0: mid-thought here. (laughs) Why are you trying to distract me? (laughs) See? Now look what you went and did. Uh, Okay. But the fact that somebody may not be as talented with the shots on court, with the strength, with the serve, with the ground strokes, doesn't mean hearkening back to what you had you know, chastise Sharpovo for. Mm. That there aren't ways to throw Serena off her game. Right. And Kerber, to her credit, had 13 unforced errors the entire match. That's averaging 4.33 per set mm-hmm. against the top player in the world. That's unheard of. And when you consider that for a good portion of the match, she was just running laterally from mm. side to side, chasing everything down and not missing... And yes, Serena made a lot of errors at net, but there were also times when she passed her straight up. Right. With those short angled forehands and backhands. So for somebody who was playing her first Grand Slam final, you really couldn't have scripted a better performance than what Mm. Kerber put in.
1: And see, that's what gave me pause right away in the first set, was that she didn't seem to be nervous in the first few games. Like, it didn't take Kerber a long time to get into the match.
0: You saw her in the tunnel before the match, and she looked like she was ready.
1: <laughs> oh, see, I couldn't really tell. Like, I couldn't read her face. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell if she was just trying to shut everything out. I'm sure she was nervous, because who wouldn't be? But Serena has gone up against a lot of first-time slam finalists before. Yeah. And usually they're cowed by the occasion, and by her. Uh-huh. And Kerber just wasn't. And so that that's kind of what made me think, we're in trouble here.
0: I was surprised by how much trouble Serena had reading her serve. Right, and clearly
1: she's worked on her serve because it was a big
0: weakness at mm-hmm. one point. And it's still not a huge serve, but she's placing it so much mm-hmm. better for one. And to strategically, she deployed it well against Serena. Yeah, she managed serving to hit more some, out wide to the backhand, keeping her guessing. It was it was absolutely part of her game plan. The totality of her game plan and how well she executed it is just mind-boggling.
1: Yeah. And so when I see Deadspin saying, oh, even Angelique Kerber didn't think she would beat Serena or could beat. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's bullshit. It's that not true. That is such and bullshit. It's, because if, you don't come out with a plan like that and execute it that yeah. well. And if you're paying no. attention
0: to the tennis, you read her press pressers, you watch her interviews, you see what other mm-hmm. people like. Courtney Nguyen, WTA insider, has been saying ad nauseum the last few days that asked point blank if she believed she could win. She said yes. Exactly. Which was totally different from what Vinci said after the match in in the U.S. Open.
1: I will say I, despite the fact that she was beating Serena, I I did enjoy watching Kerber play. Uh, I haven't seen her that much, to be honest. I'm a bad WTA fan, I guess. But, um... You know, watching her hit those short angles that landed inside the service box, it did remind me a lot of Kim Clijsters, who, you Mm -hmm. know, is one of my all-time favorites. But, you know, what was so impressive about her is that, yes, she's known for this great defense, but the way that she was able to flip that into offense Mm -hmm. and really kind of nifty shot making, you know, that was something that I think bodes well for her in the future.
0: It's also difficult to... Analyze and realize what's going on in the moment because it's so subtle. Mm -hmm. She'll be on the run, hit a ball to get herself back in the point, and then get into some kind of baseline rally and just casually take a cross court ball from Serena up the line, looking like she's just guiding it, not really a full out forehand, but it's very effective because Serena isn't able to read Mm -hmm. what she's going to be doing next. And that ability to turn defense to offense. Multiple times within a point against Serena is not something that we've seen very often.
1: No. And I do have to say that Chris Everett pissed me off again for the millionth time. What's new? Oh my god. She said that Serena's problem is that she only has one mode. Aggression. All out aggression.
0: Go, 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 go.
1: Oh my god. Like... I believe you're talking about your commentating style. You only have
0: one mode, <laughs> cliche, think, cliche, cliche. I think what you said in the moment was, "I think she's talking about Maria Sharapova."
1: Uh, right. Like it's like she didn't, she didn't uh, consult her little notebook with her list of cliches about each player, or she opened up to the wrong page.
0: Yeah, and what I said, I I said that during the match. I tweeted it. I said, "You know, Chris is clearly reading from the Serena is losing playbook right now." Uh, yeah. Because this shit is just regurgitated over and over and over again without nuance.
1: But if you've been paying attention over the past, I don't know, like 16 years, you know that Serena is able to dig her way out of matches
0: using different styles. It's just, it's stupid. Stupid. Well, we know that that's one of the narratives that have endured. And it's designed specifically to undercut black athletes. Oh, of course. You know, to depict her as all brute. No intellect mm-hmm. and unable to adapt during the course of a match. You know that's the right. domain, the sole domain of white athletes. It's been this way for decades, mm-hmm. and it's so ingrained in this in the sporting culture and consciousness that people don't question it. They just see Serena's muscles and assume that it must be true.
1: Right, and you know outsiders see think that Serena is such a dominating physical presence. That these poor girls have no chance against. Her. Right. And you look at Kerber and she is an incredible athlete. Yeah. Like, do you see her legs? You know, she is really, really fit. So that also kind of undermines her athletic gifts.
0: I just want to state without qualifier that I am not here for all these Serena fans who are going to, as per usual, dismiss this loss because of Serena playing badly. That's Mm -hmm. not what happened. Don't be bitter. Don't be pressed. (laughs) Give due where it should be given. And congratulations to Angelique Kerber because coming off of the season she had in 2015, winning four titles, making the final in Brisbane, and then backing it up with beating Azarenka in the quarterfinals. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The favorite. The favorite. remember? (laughs) The favorite. Beating Kanta, who was on a hell of a run. And then in the final, in her first Grand Slam final, beating Serena, mm. give her all the credit that she deserves. And that's like 15% applicable to you as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, the, the post-match actually went a long way. I think, you know, Serena sort of gave her fans license to be happy for Kerber. Yeah. You know, because... You know, Serena gets a lot of shit for how she used to behave after losses. But, I mean, how can you do better than what she did? She went
0: above and beyond. You mean that one time she went and rubbed anthrax on Ava Azaraki (laughs) (laughs) during the course of a match, that one? Yeah, exactly. Where she bludgeoned a child to death courtside (laughs) when it yelled out in the middle of the match, that one? Okay.
1: But this was just like a love fest. This was just an advertisement for the WTA. Serena crossed the net, gave her a big hug at
0: the end of the match. I wonder if the powers that be were determined to undercut Miss Muguruza after she (laughs) declared that we all hate each other. I was determined to prove her wrong. Because as soon as that last fucking forehand volley sailed long, (laughs) Serena crossed the net and arms were outstretched, Waiting to embrace her mm-hmm. after Kerber fell to the ground. Right. And she smiled from start to finish. When it was time for Kerber to go get her trophy, Serena ushered her forward. There's your trophy. Go get it. Mm-hmm. The big smile. Some of the pictures that were taken, I mean, you could just look at them all day and just smile.
1: <laughs> right, And they both were so, so generous in their speeches mm-hmm. to the their opponent. It was really amazing to see. Because, you know, you can sort of judge people on how they behave when they lose, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that really says a lot about Serena.
0: But, you know, James, this hasn't always been the case for Serena. Oh, please tell me. You know, she's, (laughs) there was that one time back in 2009, and then that other time back in Mm -hmm. 2011. And that other time
1: in, like, 1893. So
0: let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. Because set aside all that, you know, people do mature and evolve over time as well. Mm-hmm. It's this grudge that people hold against Serena right. for this. I've, to a lot of people's credit, I've seen folks on Twitter say, you know, well, I used to really dislike this part of Serena. And I was one of those people too, very mm-hmm. early in her career. Yeah. It really rubbed me the wrong way with how insistent she was on not giving credit to her opponents when right. she lost. Right. Right. Thought it was really bad form, but there are folks who have seen the progression over time and actually believe it's genuine and not just something that's put on.
1: Mm. I do just want to drop in here that while you're usually the one with the predictions and you like to rub them in and say, I told you so, I said that Kerber was going to win a slam
0: eventually and it very well could be this year. And I didn't. I, I think we need to go back and check the receipts. <laughs> And listen back to those podcasts. And I'm not sure you worded it exactly like that. I feel like it was something along the lines of who could have the breakthrough this I said, year.
1: I said it could it be could. This I don't year. think you I said didn't say that it would she be.
0: definitely will win a Grand Slam. Come on now.
1: Mm, I feel like you're not being very charitable here. <laughs> like, let me have this. Every time I'm surprised by a result, you're like,
0: no, I called it. You're willing to claim it now mm-hmm. when... When it happened, you were ready to distance it, distance yourself as far as possible well, from it.
1: How can you expect? It's 5.30 in the morning. I just woke up after a nap to watch this match where Serena has just capitulated, and I was upset, obviously. Okay, okay. okay. Like, I, give me a few hours. I
0: give you full kudos for calling. Okay, that. thank you. Congratulations. As far as the men's final and the men's side of the draw, it was... As we thought it would have been from the start, all Novak.
1: Yeah, it was It was kind of business as usual. He did
0: have a bit of a scare in the fourth round against Simon. Which was the strangest match I may have ever watched in my life. <laughs> I still don't know what happened, what I watched, why it happened...
1: Yeah, and I I really watched the entire thing. Yeah, I was I'm not sure why. so surprised. Yeah. You were more into it than I was. No, and they're really neither of them are players I'm really that interested
0: in. No, and I'm certainly not here for rooting for Simon to beat Djokovic. I know. God, what a catch-22, right?
1: But, you know, he really didn't even do anything that special. And Novak said that in his presser, and it kind of came off as like a little bitchy, but it was true. Novak hit n- almost 100 errors. It was as if you were watching two people just practice back and
0: forth right. for four hours.
1: Yeah, it was very strange. Novak really played a total clunker of a match.
0: And a hundred did... errors. The most interesting part of that match was toward the end of the fifth set, wondering if Djokovic would get to a hundred. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> now, I will say, during the, the, the match, I really didn't have any inkling that Simo could actually win. No. And I know people were getting a little excited about the possible upset, but I mean, there was just
0: no chance. But you watch him play Federer the way he did and then that first set against Mari in the final, and you wonder how the hell did this happen? How he played Nadal in Doha, and how did this happen? (laughs) Well, we've
1: seen this with Serena way more often than Novak. You know, she'll play
0: the 100th ranked player, and just play a terrible match and lose. But you'd think over the course of a best of five scenario that he would have figured it out sooner. Right, because they've played
1: many times before. I don't know. I don't know why I sat through that whole thing. His level
0: against Federer was unreal in those first two Mm -hmm. sets. I've never seen Federer pressed so hard and having such little time to react to shots as he did in those first two sets. People were comparing it to when Nadal beat Federer at the French Open, oh, God. giving him just four games. Yeah. It felt like that for a while, that mm-hmm. that would have been the scoreline. Federer came back and won the third set, found a way mm-hmm. to, you know, get over the errors and stay in the match and push him a little bit. But it was really ugly for a long time. <laughs> and then he went out five love against Murray in the final right off the bat. Right. When he's on and he's at his best. What's become clear now is he's so good in that first set. You have no margin for error when you step on that court right off the bat. No. Or else you're down a set in 20 minutes.
1: And, I mean, there were times during these matches where he was really making these players look like challenger players. Uh-huh. Or like he was playing a junior,
0: you know? <laughs> the one thing I'm glad that's come out of this is it. It kind of reframes the way we've looked at Nadal in the last few weeks. After he played well for the first few rounds in Doha, then he got blitzed again by Djokovic. You're like, okay, well, what's going on? Mm. Uh, did any progress actually happen? When it's something that we've been saying for a while now, no, Novak is just that good. Right, He's that much better than everybody else on the ATP tour. And it was never more clear than at the Australian Open this year. Mm-hmm. And so... Yes, Nadal lost in the first round to somebody who blitzed him off the court again, but I don't think that's something that we can necessarily extrapolate as indicative of a rapid decline or a reversal of the progress that he's made over the last few months.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm a little more pessimistic about it. Mm -hmm. I do think that there has been a pretty big decline, despite the improvements that Rafa made through last year. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Basically, whenever he walks on the court now, I really don't know what to expect.
0: The clay court season will be a big telltale sign. Right. So we'll just have to wait But and it was see. supposed to be last year, too. Okay. You know. It was. And then it didn't. And then it got worse and worse and worse. And then he <laughs> brought it back. Right. So if there is to be a resurgence, I feel like this is where we'll need to see it. Okay. But I do want to go back to something I said on the previous podcast with regard to... The interview that Muratoglu gave to Carl Bouchard for Sports Illustrated in terms of it being one of the more insightful pieces in breaking down Rafa's game where it is now and going forward. I struggled for many years watching Rafa from match to match and him winning matches easily and then struggling a little bit against other opponents and thinking, well, he looks like he's playing the same to me. And what that really registered for me is that Nadal has always had issues with hitting short balls. Right. And the difference now, it seems, is his his speed, his foot speed, mm-hmm. and not being able to get himself into the right positions to be able to recover in time. And so I'm not sure at this point if he's able to adjust and hit balls deeper in the court on a more consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little flatter. I don't think it has to be a matter of hitting the ball harder or with more power it just has to be not putting yourself on the back foot from so early in points with a short ball. Right. Against Djokovic, it's Just not going to work. And so is it going to be being able to adjust your shot depth or regaining some foot speed? And I'm not sure he can <laughs> regain that much foot speed at this, this stage of his career if it's degenerative, mm-hmm. right? And so I look for Rafa to find a way to improve his shot depth and not... The big difference between him and Novak is Novak, when he starts his return game, he's flushed to the baseline and he doesn't budge. Mm. Throughout the course of the point, he's there. He'll be moving laterally like a panther and sliding out to the backhand to hit two-handed passing shots that most people or nobody else can. Mm. He hit one in the final against Mario I was just like, come on.
1: But Novak takes the ball early and Rafa doesn't. That's not going to change. We're too late in the game for Rafa to change that.
0: His issue is being forced further and further away from the baseline. And retreating, that has to change. Right. Either he's going to get quicker or find a way to push people back himself. But that's his biggest problem right now, I think.
1: Okay. But getting back to Novak. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I actually, I sort of sense the tide turning on how people view Djokovic. I don't know if you got a sense of this. I mean, I think that Australia is probably the place where he's most beloved uh-huh. as from the fans, but I kind of, I don't know if I have any real evidence to back this up, but I feel like the general feeling about Novak is more positive.
0: There's more respect for him. Yeah. I, I think, think it's grudging respect. Okay. But I don't think he can use the Australian Open as an indicator because it's okay. it's his tournament at this point. Uh, folks were even saying that when he and Federer were being introduced for their semifinal, he got a louder applause from the crowd. Really? Yeah. That doesn't happen anywhere. No, but, well, I mean, when Federer's down two sets to love, some of the, the the love that he got from the crowd was just deafening. You know, right, you want to see right. the match extended or whatnot. And we saw that in New York, too. But clearly, he has a strong fan base in Australia. And deservedly so. Mm. It would be kind of messed up if he didn't. You know? Well,
1: Right. I'm, but, I mean, it's kind of messed up that Rafa isn't beloved like that in Paris. But the French fans are a different yeah, a different animal.
0: <laughs> hold that rant for the spring.
1: Yeah. I did read through, I don't know if you watched Novak's press conference, but it was very thoughtful and, dare I say, fascinating. Dare you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Lindsay Gibbs actually linked to it on Twitter and said, you know, go read this if you have time. And I did, and I was actually kind of interested. You know, we've known for a long time that he's a pretty intelligent guy, and he's multilingual. He speaks at a very high level in English. Sounds like a super educated dude, you know? Um, but he was talking about kind of getting his personal life together and talking about how, you know, if you have things that are really bothering you at home, you bring it to work. And tennis is his work so he's managed to kind of work on his life beyond tennis as well and that's helped his game.
0: He did have a few iffy moments, scratchy moments with his media presence in the tournament. Okay. And more so than other top players, he's going to get stick for it. And the first was after the Simo match, he was asked a couple times about whether what he thought about Simo's comment that, you know, the locker room wanted to see, would have liked to have seen him lose or something like that. Yeah. And so he kept asking at the start, which locker room, which locker room. And I'm sitting there watching it and I'm just like, don't go, just don't go there. And so eventually he makes some quip about, you know, I'm pretty sure the woman in the, in the woman's locker room are pretty happy to see me out here or something like that. What? It was some, like, some off color yeah. joke that just was not good. And on Twitter, after the women's final, the women's final, Mm. he said, great final, girls. (laughs) (laughs) And people just went off. And, you know, there's the argument that the women themselves refer to themselves as girls. Mm. So there's that. But on the back of the locker room comment that he made in press, it veers into this territory, it seems, always, where Novak seems like he's trying too hard. Right. You know, to be funny or, I don't even say to be liked, but, you know, just... The filter needs to be changed every now and then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I I can't really get that upset about the girls thing because I'm not sure that he understands kind of the levels of meaning in the girl
0: gr- in the word yeah. girls in English. You know, and that was one of the arguments too that for right. people who English isn't their first language necessarily, he speaks very good English. Right, but also there's cultural differences. It was a minor infraction. Oh yeah. Um, It was just taken together that I just had a little bit of a laugh about it, you know? When you said he made
1: that joke about which locker room, I thought you were going to say he was alluding to, like, Simo's insulting and demeaning comments about women
0: through the years. But I guess I expected too much. Spare a thought for Andy Murray, because he went through some things this week, these two weeks. Mm -hmm. His father-in-law, the whole collapsing incident. Right. His wife's at home about to give birth. He had a lot going on.
1: Yes. He made his fifth Australian Open final
0: and he just really can't seem to win one. No. And he had more winners than Djokovic. He had more aces than Djokovic. He tried his best. <laughs> and apart from the first set, Djokovic wasn't at his best. Mm. And still Murray couldn't even win a set. So
1: I do really feel like Andy came out with the right
0: attitude. You know, and he... I think that he believed that he could pull it off. And he's all—he's always going to be a little bit negative. Just to say that <laughs> right. he was negative on court or was yelling at his box, that's not indicative of a bad attitude for, no, for Andy. No, that's him. Yeah.
1: Because that doesn't mean that he doesn't believe in himself. Yeah.
0: You know, that's just how he
1: does it. And a spare thought for Kei Nishikori, <laughs> because he just ran over Sanga. Just, I mean almost embarrassed him. I mm-hmm. was so disappointed in Sanga's performance because I was really looking forward to that match. And I thought it was going to be really exciting and it was horrible. Um, but then Kay moves into the next round and Novak having recovered from this Gilles Simon fiasco d- debacle <laughs> just blitzed
0: Nishikori, yeah. you know, Nishikori pressed the entire first few sets. Mm. He played himself out of the match. You know, it was really disappointing.
1: And Stan Wawrinka, who I really didn't give Milos a shot. And I know that was Mm short-sighted. But, um, I don't know. You know, he said he had been sick all week or whatever. But I felt like he didn't really play a bad match. Milos really just had his game plan sorted out and executed it well.
0: And part of it, too, is that we know that Stan, we talked about that Stan is the person who, on that big stage, can do the job against Novak. Right. And so you kind of hoped, being on opposite side of the draws, that if somebody were to make it to the final, to make it competitive, to push Novak, you wanted to see him go a little bit further, right? Mm -hmm. I did at least. And so once he lost, it was kind of like, well, that's number six for Djokovic. Yeah, basically.
1: Now, (coughs) onto a really important matter. Are you going to miss the Melbourne
0: commercial? With the poem. I want to know how much money (laughs) they spent on this commercial because every, almost every single changeover, they played this. This is like thousands of times this Mm -hmm. commercial was played. And it was actually a really lovely commercial. The poem was nice,
1: and I like the Australian accent and all the landscapes. Well, with the accent. And the bush
0: birds calling. (laughs) Dick driven spray, (laughs)
1: which if you... (laughs) That sounded very
0: Kiwi to me. (laughs) <laughs> Let's see. We'll ask uh, Frith what she thought yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. But part of the poem is deck-driven spray, but with an Aussie accent, you can see where it may be a little bit problematic no, for us North Americans. Clearly dick. Like, <laughs> that is the vowel that was coming across. It was... It got to the point where last night I didn't watch the entire final. I watched most of the first two sets, and I'm dozing off in bed, and... The, I refer to it as the dick-driven spray. <laughs> and the dick-driven spray came on again, and I tweeted, you know, like, this is my last dick-driven spray of Ugh, the tournament, guys. so sad. <laughs> I have a link to the video, and I have the poems. So I'm going to be reliving that shit all year long. <laughs> and we'll probably link to it in this podcast. And it definitely will be in This Week in Tennis. So good, look out for that. Because I'm really going to miss it. It started off, I, I was really quite annoyed by it. You know, as well as you do, get annoyed by things that are repetitive. Well, right?
1: it came on literally at every changeover, yeah. every commercial break. You know, there are really there's only time for two commercials. Yeah, and that was always one of them. And I, how much did they pay? Right, I hope they got their money's worth. I hope people are coming to Melbourne. Right, to, I want to know hear what the
0: bushbirds calling. I want that's your, that's your one bit that you. That's the
1: only part other than dick driven spray. It's the only part I remember.
0: <laughs> I want to see how much the ticket sales from Melbourne have spiked online right. <laughs> since the Australian or Open. Or maybe
1: people have canceled their
0: tickets. <laughs> I don't know. We're coming to the end of the podcast and we have two more bits left to go. The first thing we're going to do is talk about some of the stuff that we saw on Twitter because watching tennis, if you're deeply embedded in the tennis culture and tennis Twitter, they're kind of symbiotic, right? They go mm-hmm. hand in hand. And so much of the time that we're watching tennis we're tweeting about tennis and then later on we're gonna have our very first segment called the rant as you're probably very familiar by now, we rant a lot <laughs> and folks tell us they like our rants but we're gonna actually make it into a segment so, so
1: why not confine
0: it to a segment right you know it's always good to have a little bit more direction in the podcast so if there's something that we can point to as this is our rant for the week that's what we've decided to do
1: i feel like this thing could have
0: legs it could. <laughs> and you were wondering if, like, is it a little bit too similar to the read? Right. But I was like, we you know, we do, do we do different things. They don't have a copyright. Exactly. And it's not necessarily a read on one person or no. one thing. We're just babbling on about shit, mm-hmm. you know?
1: So the shit we saw on Twitter, first of all, during Majors, the tribalism among fandoms becomes very apparent. One thing that you noticed was that Sharapova's fans were, I mean... They all woke up like it they, was. It wasn't there was that like many of them. Yeah, there was like a phone tree going <laughs> when it looked like Serena was going to lose. It's like guys, set your alarm.
0: <laughs> there were a handful of them that were going from account to account to give their two cents right. about Serena's totally loss, totally unsolicited. Right, like you tried to take their comments seriously, and then you see the big old Sharapova picture in their profile, mm. or saying that you know Murray is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Or the dick-driven spray ad. they <laughs> are like,
1: girl. But, like, like, are you not embarrassed?
0: Like, you're here to hate watch this and root for Kerber, clearly.
1: Be right. happy that Kerber won. Yeah, but like,
0: Maria lost two rounds ago. Yeah. So what are you doing? I do get that there's been a lot of suffering. There's been a lot. So much suffering can happen mm. over the course of 11 years and 18 matches. <laughs> so much. And so it must be hard. <laughs> you know like maria won two french opens what do you have to complain no, about? no but you know how vicious serena fans are so when oh yeah Mar- when serena be, yeah. beats maria they they you know they take a beating they gloat Yeah. so i can see the inspiration to try and give back some <laughs> but it's like you get to have that response when maria beats serena like when maria beats serena come talk to me Right, <laughs> you know that's not what happened but when someone else did what Maria couldn't do right then when you just Kerber sound deploys all this nuance and innovation to her game has a brilliant game plan throws Serena off her game in ways that Maria hasn't been able to do since 1952 like it's not the same just calm down so there's that yeah take your presitude elsewhere <laughs> your oppressedness. <laughs> Oh, my God. A bunch of paninis.
1: (laughs) Oh, Lord. The other thing, I do have to take my fellow Serena fans to task a little bit. Uh Because one thing I don't really like... And this is something that we saw so much of. Yeah. So, so much of. Okay, so it's, it's a fine balance. Because I do think that we have to hold reporters accountable
0: for, like, really bullshitty, clickbaity stuff, right? Like, we've talked about the Michael Mushaw rubbish. Right. Like, we talked about the New York Times article ad nauseum last year. There are things that are written that are problematic all the time. Those are the things that we need to interrogate. Right. Fine.
1: But it bothers me when I see headlines that are fairly neutral, um, that are clearly trying to find a different angle on a same old, same old story, Mm -hmm. and Serena fans go
0: ham and it's just like like you're always here with the negativity get the shit out of my face <laughs> you know, like journalism is supposed to by definition be objective right well yeah by definition ideally i guess yes it's clearly not always the case however like if somebody's presenting something that is not the best light for serena in a reasonable way why shouldn't they well okay here's an example Take an article that says,
1: here's how Sharapova can beat Serena. Uh Uh-huh. This... What the hell are you going to write about this matchup that has not been written? What, Like, what is there to say? So I understand why a journalist would want to say, oh, we we talked to some experts. Here's what they think Maria can do. I really don't have time to be angry about these things because there is so much horrible shit going on. And these people are
0: flogging these journalists online. Flogging them. Like, you would never dare speak to somebody like that to their face. Right. And I totally get it because, and perhaps you can blame me for Serena's loss, but I had an article ready to go, Mm -hmm. like, was fully polished and ready to go from, like, 12.30 a.m. Match time was 3.30 a.m. Yeah. And it was difficult finding a new angle to write about Serena. Right. And so I get it.
1: So I I guess I just want to say, pick your battles. It's not a journalist's job to be positive. No, you know it's really it's not, and that doesn't really make for good storytelling. They're not
0: there to be the champions of of a player. I go to tennis forum, find a fan page, talk about it. They're hashed out there. But if you're interested in reading good articles about tennis and players, this should not be an expectation. Mm-hmm. Or just listen to the body, serve because I give a plenty of biased, right, biased lot. coverage
1: you're, about Serena Williams. oozing with bias. <laughs> and I'm very
0: open about that mm-hmm. bias. Your cup filleth over. <laughs> runneth over. Runneth. Filleth. <laughs> Fill it over filleth. You filleth and then it runneth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> filleth myself. Remember, I'm sick, guys. Yeah. Cut, cut me you a don't have here. an excuse because you don't even take medicine. So, no, I mean it's just a common cold. You know what am I? Yeah. What am I gonna do? Are you ready for the rant? I don't know.
1: I I think you're taking lead on this rant. Am so. I? Well, it's it's your it's your
0: bugaboo here. Okay. So I had a few encounters with folks on Twitter mm-hmm. where what I like to call the men's tennis sect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These people, and you, I, I challenge you all to look out for these accounts. They're almost always white men. And they say in their Twitter profiles, and there are quite a few podcasts I've learned that are like this as well. So look out for those mm. too. They say, covering tennis. Love tennis. Tennis is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but what they really mean to say is they cover men's tennis. Because no joke, these people will not write one character on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> about women's tennis other than to demean it, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just so f- fucking tired of it. <laughs> I'm tired of it. One of the things that we do on this podcast, we own our biases. Yes. Like, if, you own, if you're only here for men's tennis, say you're only there for men's and tennis. And that's cool. Yeah, and that's fine. that's all you're interested in. If that's your thing, we know up front. And then we're like, okay, Mm. bye. (laughs) I'll overlook your ass gladly. (laughs) You can be Like, last night when the men's final was coming on, like, they were out in full force. I just left Twitter. (laughs) Because, like, all these men had so much to say. Right. And Lindsay Gibbs, who's been on the podcast, wrote this seminal piece on how to talk about women's tennis, right? Right. And that was one of her qualms as well. Because when people refer to tennis... They're often always talking about men's tennis. And it's horrible. It's designed to demean women's tennis as if women's tennis isn't tennis. Mm. It's lesser than.
1: Well, it's like, you know, by omission. Mm-hmm. You're saying that women's tennis maybe doesn't count,
0: you know. And the qualifier then when you're talking about women's tennis is to say women's tennis. Mm. Tennis is tennis as men's tennis. But women's tennis has to be women's tennis. Right. Right. It should be men's tennis and women's tennis. That's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. And so veering off from that, you get into discussions with people about sexism in tennis. And it's always these dude bros who have no desire to engage with women's tennis and the issues that are rampant Mm -hmm. in women's tennis. The struggles that women in society deal with on a daily basis, Right. right? They're totally oblivious to all these considerations, and then they want to challenge you when you say something about sexism and tennis. The moment you mention sexism and tennis in the same mm-hmm. sentence, like you said, it's like they've gotten the emergency contacts going. <laughs> and they're like, dude, we're ready. Dude, dude, did you see this? And they right. just show up out of the woodwork. And then when you explain something rationally to them, they're like, nope, don't see it. Like, no fucking shit, you don't see it. Right. You choose not to see it.
1: But it's like when you mention sexism, <laughs> Then it's like, oh, oh, so Serena lost because of sexism? And like, listen, you know you're being obtuse and you think you're being cute, but it's not
0: cute. They don't even think they're being cute. They just think they're being right. They don't don't have the capacity to be cute.
1: (laughs) No, but my favorite, my favorite move among these folks, and you see it across all different social movements, is, well... Okay, well, I'm just talking to you because I don't know. So you need to,
0: like, send me articles. Yeah. Where like, can I learn about like this? Like, what? Like, this is basic life shit. How do you get to be this advanced in your life and be so blind to the fucker that goes on in life around you? No, but, like, you dropped your
1: ass into my notifications.
0: Right? I did not send for you. Like I may have sent for a couple people. All right. <laughs> 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 Based on what I saw in my Fair
1: timeline. Enough. You may have instigated. Yes. But you don't. You didn't mention these people by name. So you say things, they come into your notifications and say, well, I don't understand. Educate me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm not getting paid for this. It is not my job to go on the online databases on JSTOR and find some articles JSTOR, for you to read.
0: Like, that's way above <laughs> their brain capacity. Like find like the most basic shit on wikipedia the
1: point is this is
0: not my goddamn job no you know it's not and so you see this a lot if you have a willingness a true willingness to learn do the fucking work yourself we did a whole episode that was titled do the work do the work do the work race tennis and society like Mm. that title of a podcast episode probably encapsulates what we do on this podcast Mm -hmm. most you know what separates us from other people And that we firmly believe that if you are concerned about learning about something, if you're curious, can look it up yourself. (laughs) But they're not curious. They're not. That's the thing. It's just a facade and a mirage and any other cinnamon, cinnamon, (laughs) synonym you want to throw out there, right? But, you know, like the
1: Black Lives Matter folks, trans activists, other LGBT activists, do you know how much time they have to waste entertaining these people? You know, you have these white folks, usually men, come talk to a Black Lives Matter person saying, why? Why should I care? Can you explain to me? Like, these people, they don't have time. Just fucking bulldeze, bulldoze job.
0: them out of the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, if you're an activist, you're out here in the streets. You don't have time for this shit. Like, Do this, your own homework.
0: This is not undergrad basic life skills 101 class like honey
1: i'm not gonna be posting the powerpoint slides from (laughs) classes one two three and four
0: annotated all right like if you want to get into like basic life 404 you know then maybe we can talk maybe i can be your ta but like (laughs) if you'd like some critical
1: theory you know okay maybe
0: like something that's not readily available Maybe you don't know that Google has a Google Scholar. You can find really good shit written for free. For free.
1: But, like, you have never, ever had more access to information in the history
0: of the world. So why don't you use it? And I don't have sympathy for people who have had advantages in their life. And because of those advantages, they've been willfully blind to all the shit that's going around them. And then I'm supposed to now go educate you. It's just not, it's just not happening. No. Like, I don't have time for that. Like, why should I feel good about your come to moment? (laughs) Or attempt to come to. Right, right. Like, come on. When you've traveled an inch, when you should be traveling a mile. Right. And like, I'm telling you, like, this is something that as I get older, I have such zero tolerance for. I used to write for a website. I won't call the name. I don't want to get that messy. And it got to the point where I was like, uh, People like, why are we not talking about women's tennis here? Mm. Every damn article is about Djokovic or Federer. Like, where if you if you want to be taken seriously here, you have to produce stuff about women's tennis. Yes. Then it's like, okay, well, who's gonna write? You get these alerts in the Facebook mm. group, right? Like, oh, Serena's donut sets in a break. Who's gonna prepare a piece in case she loses? <laughs> like, that's the extent of yeah. the women's coverage, right? Whereas it's like. Well, you know, what's going on in Djokovic's year? All this other stuff mm. that you, you you find everything under the sun to write about the men. Mm. But upset alert is the the extent of it for women's tennis. And so after a while, I was just like, no, I'm sorry, I'm done. At a certain point, it just became also oh clear that this just was not the place for me, you right. know? right To have my name associated with something that anybody who has any desire to get a, a more fully formed coverage of tennis... Is going to be like, what the fuck's going on? Mm. You know, so that was that. So people, the moral of this rant is just just be better. (laughs) Be more curious, be better, and do the work yourself if you're that curious. So I think that
1: brings us to the end of the rant. I think next week I might rant about Charlotte Rampling. Don't know yet.
0: (laughs) Haven't decided. Have we decided if it's going to be a strictly tennis rant or just any rant in general? Oh, I feel like it should be anything. Okay. Right? fair enough because to be honest maybe not... maybe like a non tennis rant can be a pop culture rant okay yeah yeah
1: so that what it else can would encompass... it, what else would it be like a chemistry rant
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> this smart ass you see what i have to live with
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i have you know me you live with me i have rants stored up uh-huh. i
0: have an encyclopedia of rants we 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 spend entirely too much time together as it turns out. Yes. Because we also work together. I, I'm not sure we've ever said that on the podcast before. Right. But a co-worker tonight said to me, you had lost your shit. I did, yeah. <laughs> you had just... I actually threw a debit machine in the garbage. <laughs> and somebody picked it up. <laughs> when he loses... <laughs> don't laugh at me. I don't find it funny. But, but you're but laughing. In retrospect, okay, like folks don't know you. But like on the surface, you seem like a really even keeled kind of fellow, yeah. like i have it together your tempers can be legendary right Mm -hmm. and so our co-worker was like oh my god i just find him so sexy when he's mad oh my god and i was like i do not (laughs) (laughs) get away from me with that nonsense (laughs) see you know a lot of people like it (laughs) and that brings us to the end of the episode i am thrilled i was able to make it through it Without like convulsing yeah, on the ground and not
1: worse for wear, uh, so thank you for tuning in to our third what is it third episode yeah, of the it's season? episode three. Our Australian Open recap, and uh, I'm not really sure what the next episode will bring. I need a break. Yeah, you need to get better. I'm in school. <laughs> I'm in school, and I'm squeezing this in. I have a test tomorrow in occupational health and safety, which is just as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> If you want to know anything about hazards in the workplace, come to me.
0: Plugs. This Week in Tennis will be out very soon. And check out that piece I I did about... That pictorial piece I did about Serena and Maria's rivalry set to Adele's hello. As always, if you've enjoyed the podcast, give us a review on iTunes. It's one of the few things short of us setting up a... GoFundMe, which we don't think we're important enough to do at this point, <laughs> <laughs> maybe in year three or four, but it's the one tangible thing you can do to help us build the profile of the podcast. Yes. And we just thoroughly appreciate when folks do it. My name's Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at SportscribeCA. And I'm James. I'm at ElliotJMR. The podcast is at the TheBodyServe on Twitter.
1: Yeah, follow the the podcast because we could use some more followers on that account
0: mm-hmm. We've been neglectful ourselves from tweeting out non-promotional stuff from that account. Mm. It's just hard. There's just so much shit going on, you know. Get some sleep. Be rested. We'll see you again soon. And till next time.